It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mac Performance Podcast should not solely be the source of information for your physical and mental health. You should consult a physician licensed in your location in all matters relating to your health. Welcome back to the Mac Performance Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Melissa MacDonald, sports chiropractor in the Twin Cities. And today is week two of our mental health and mindset shift series. And I'm incredibly excited for today's guest because I think a lot of us need this shift. After 2020, the dumpster fire of a year that it was, a lot of us have shifted our mindsets to scarcity. We are scared of what's going to happen to our jobs, what's going to happen to our careers. Maybe we've had to shift and change and we haven't found our passion again. We're scared of who's paying what bills and we're operating in this place of fear. And today's guest is here to address that. And that is Babita Spinelli. And she is a licensed psychotherapist and a doctorate of law. She is accomplished therapist and certified coach. She provides a nurturing space for clients to explore what's holding them back while challenging them to make changes to help them reach their goals. Bibita works with individuals who are experiencing significant life transitions and couples looking to improve or rebuild their relationship. Bibita is the recipient of the 2019 New York Psychotherapist Award and is frequently featured in the media as the guest expert. She is a certified Gottman Level 2 therapist, collaborative divorce coach, and a parent coordinator. At this time, Babita's therapy service and coaching programs are providing virtual throughout the country and internationally. So go ahead and check her out in the description below. But this is why I wanted her on the podcast. I felt right now as things are starting to open up, restrictions are being lifted, we're able to push safely and go forth and make some changes. We need to start shifting our mindset. And I cannot wait any longer. Let's dive into this interview right now. How are you doing today? I am great. Thank you. I think 
this topic is something that everybody goes through at some point, whether they want to or not. And it is so hard to admit the need for a change, a transition, a moving into a new career when you think you found your be-all, end-all at 25 and you turn 35 and you hate it. How do you start to make those transitions as you're older and be okay with it? Because a lot of people feel like, oh my gosh, I've wasted all this time doing this first career to learn I don't like it. Yes. A lot of people end up feeling like they're stuck and that it's too late to make that change. I would challenge that behavior and say we could shift our mindset around that because we are ever evolving and allow yourself to recognize that and know that life actually has its phases. So we can move from one phase to the other. And just because we had a mindset that this is what it's going to look like, not to hold yourself back from feeling like it has to keep looking like that. So you mentioned the phases of life. What are these phases you're talking about? So everyone has their own, but I would say it starts with the earlier phases. You're in college, you're getting your education, you're figuring out maybe what you want to do or maybe not. And then early on, you start to dive in maybe into a particular job or career. Maybe you transition into starting to have a relationship. Maybe you get married. Maybe you don't. You then move into your developing in your job or career. You're moving in the direction. Maybe you're doing graduate school, things of that nature. And you start to get into your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. And you're learning more and more about yourself. So the phases are as you're understanding your yourself better over time as you're going through various life milestones. So as we're going through these milestones, why does it seem that in certain points in a lot of people's life, they have that midlife crisis, they have that need for change, they have that unrest that causes them to make a significant life change? From my lens, that happens because things become maybe more and more clear over time around one's wants and needs. A lot of that formulation takes time to happen. Often we may be doing things that we think we should be doing. We have maybe have been modeled by our own parents or other people or mentors that this is the way life should look. This is what I should be doing in my life. This should be my career. This is what I should be making. This is the kind of house I should have, et cetera, et cetera. As time goes on, we start to become more clear and start to understand a little bit better what might be the things that are making us happy or what are the things that aren't, or we're recognizing we're not happy, that we've maybe been going through the emotions or the emotions. So midlife crisis is sort of that moment of looking back and saying, I'm not so sure this brings me joy. We're actually gaining some clarity. And I actually think that that's been happening a lot during COVID. A lot of people are having their version of midlife crisis and it's not even midlife. But I would say midlife crisis, that moment where you're like, what am I doing? I'm not so sure this works for me anymore. So it's like when you jump into a career and you're making good money and your career suddenly becomes your job. It's no longer your passion. It's no longer your love. It's no longer the thing that you get up in the morning and enjoy. And 
you recognize you need a change. Is that kind of that difference? Because I always think like when I was growing up, I worked as a cake decorator at Walmart. I worked at Applebee's. Those are all jobs. But now that I own my own business, I own my own practice, and I have this passion for what I do, I love to get up and go to my clinic every morning. And I find that to be my career. Mm, Yeah. So I would say spot on in what you described as one version. And then the other version is the one where someone actually thinks that they're okay and they're reaching their success and they're doing it, but slowly they're just starting to notice that they're not really feeling as passionate about it. They don't feel that same fire the way they did because maybe they're just changing. And maybe what it is that they want to do in their life is sort of changing, but they're not quite sure what that is. So we have the version you described. Yes, where you start to get more clear. That's a job. This is what brings me meaning. This is what I'm passionate about. And then you have individuals that are doing something that they are going along and thinking this is what they want to do, that they're successful. They continue to be successful, but slowly it's not feeling the same and they long to do something different. It's no longer lighting their fire. Something doesn't feel like it's giving them meaning anymore. Or they get to a place where what brings them meaning is something that's coming up in their life. They're starting to notice that their life purpose or their passion or what brings them meaning feels empty and they want to figure out what that is. This seems very stressful and very uncomfortable to go through. It is. So how do you help someone that is starting to make this recognition? Because yeah, 2020, the best way I've heard it described was a dumpster fire. Just everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. If we went back to 2015 and asked everyone, where do you see yourself in five years? No one would have gotten it right. And things really had significant shifts. So how does someone go, I know I need a change. How do they make that change? Oftentimes, and I can lean into my own personal experience, even though everyone's journey is different. My transition was early on working at Family Circle Magazine, early on right out of college in publishing, in marketing, going to law school, being a traditional lawyer, then going into the corporate world, big four consulting, ultimately healthcare compliance, then Wall Street. So it's all these different things that were happening. And What ended up being helpful to me is literally working with a professional, a therapist, coach who could help me to really understand what's coming up for me, especially because I felt like I've reached the pinnacle of my success. What am I not feeling right now? Why does this not feel like what I want to do? And so not everyone needs to do that, but I think first start to notice What's not working for you and what is, meaning what are the things that you feel like you're enjoying about the area that you're in, in your life, let's say professionally, and what are the things you're not? And why is that? And getting a little bit more clear on that always ends up being a nice first step and realizing it takes step by step. You don't have to all of a sudden tomorrow know what that is. So starting there. So I think some of the biggest roadblocks and stressors for people in these career changes is the unknown of the financial piece. How do you help your adults going through this, or humans, adult, children, teenager, whatever, going through this change and recognizing that although there is a financial risk, generally it works out well? (laughs) 
Yes, it does. The way I work with individuals around that is we really do a lot of financial therapy or money mindset work. So we're really looking at what's our resistances, what's our messaging, where we feel like we cannot lean into a place of abundance. Are there fears? What are those? How might we have been raised to make us feel like that this may not happen? What might be patterns of ours around coming from a place of maybe scarcity where we feel like we have to hold on to money or it's not going to come to us? So we do a lot of mindset work from fixed mindset or mindset around deprivation to abundance to growth, combined with Let's look at our realities and say, okay, this is what I want to make. This is what I'm making now. Why do I feel like I can't make that happen? And what's a practical way to get there? So there's the combination of the mindset. And then there's the combination of how do we take our practical place and combine the two to move forward. Money mindset is so hard. I feel like we're conditioned to want to live in a scarcity mindset. And I don't know why that is. So what are some steps that someone listening to this could be like, okay, I'm worried about paying my bills. I'm worried about this, but yet they're still doing all the activities they want. How do you start to switch your mindset to a mindset of abundance? It takes some deeper work, but I would say that some of the initial things is recognizing that when you invest in yourself and the things that are helping you to grow, it does come back to you. So recognize that you're investing in the value of something you're either trying to create or become. The second part is what have been the deeper messages that you've been told that make you feel like you need to stay in scarcity or it's not going to come. And really removing those barriers and saying, am I coming from a generation of maybe a family that was in the Holocaust survivor and there was things that they'd been through, right? Maybe that there's something that had happened around a traumatic space in the family, around finances. So those things are important. So we can say that doesn't mean that that's my story or that's my narrative. And the other part is an individual can really look at and to say, wait a second, what is the reality? The money's there. Why am I feeling like I'm not going to be able to pay the bills? Why am I feeling like this won't happen? And start to really look at and shift the negative cognitions into the positive. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So it always comes back to investing in yourself. Investing in yourself. And it- Maybe you need someone to hold you accountable. Maybe that's where you do work with someone who's going to help you set your goals to make that shift in mindset and then start to do something that you really want to do in your life that gives you meaning and purpose and passion. And the other part is, as you were saying, when we do something we love and feel passionate about and we put out that value out into the world, it does come back. I think that is one of the more challenging things to look at investing in 
especially just speaking from my personal experience, I invested student loans into my education and not an insignificant amount of student loans to get a doctorate of chiropractic. It's basically going to medical school. So I graduated with $170,000 in student loan debt. So it's one of those things when you look at that cost to the investment, and it is such a slow build, I sometimes get defeated in, I'm very happy with what I do, but I don't feel I have recouped or gotten my return on the investment that I've put in. How do you work with individuals that are having that, I'm going to say freak out, complete freak out that they've invested incorrectly, even though they've done what they love? Well, I would ask, is there anything else you'd rather be doing? And can we also place value outside of finances? Because we often see success and value as being monetary and discount how valuable it is to have flexibility or how valuable it is to finally do something that we enjoy and love. The other part is that it it does take patience. It does take patience to finally end up building. And that's the part that requires the thick skin. Getting to that place, oftentimes they say it really does take three to five years for your business to work like clockwork. And I remember, I remember when my therapist handed me a bunch of books and I was doing really well. And I was like, I'm just not fulfilled. And she handed me a bunch of books and she said, you should be a therapist. And I was like, okay, do I really want to do this? How do I do this? It's going to cost money for me to go back to school. I just spent as used hundreds of thousands of dollars at law school back in the 90s. What am I doing? And I'm still paying for that, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the other things that she said is remember that it does take stages and time and it's not going to run like clockwork right away. So you're going to get your return in your future. And that's not going to be tomorrow, a year from now, two years from now. Be patient with it. I hate having patience. And I think especially now in the culture of click and buy, on our phone, having everything just right there, having that patience is so hard. It is really hard. And part of it is just continuing to take action that feels like you're building. I say when you're switching careers, are you really using a pipeline? Are you doing all the things that you really can? Or or are you stuck? No one's coming to me. It's not coming. So are you doing things like having a podcast, creating one, blogging, setting up virtual coffees, if you can't do it in person now, reaching out on LinkedIn, lean into all those things, because eventually it comes back to you. I mean, I get referrals of lunches that I had early on. And now like years later, I'm getting circle backs. And so I always say, don't give up on those things. Literally start your day and do your day. Keep doing your plan, your business plan, and lean into those spaces because one day you're going to be busy. You're not going to have time for it. It always comes back to you have to enjoy the journey and not just focus on the destination. Yes. That's so frustrating. It really is. When you focus on that, there's always going to be something you're going to feel like is going wrong, or you're going to be sitting in your fear, or you're going to feel paralyzed as well. But I do also want to say this for those people that I work with that let's say they have dependents that rely on them, but they really want to maybe go back to school or they really want to switch careers. I spent some time balancing two things. 
being a parent, et cetera. And at that time, being a single parent, I had to bounce school. I worked with the corporation. And then I started to do my clinical work, hang my shingle, and then eventually feeling like it was the right time. So I do want to say that there is that what I call that sort of mixed breed, so to speak. Like sometimes people just can't jump into the pool necessarily and just say, okay, they may have to stay a little bit where they are as they build something else. And there's nothing wrong with that either. I'm definitely in a hybrid model because... That was it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Mixed breed. I'm like, what am I trying to say? I I was like, I think we're going for hybrid, but I'm not sure. Uh, I was thinking about pets, so... Can't imagine why that is. (laughs) For me... I'm still, so I'm adjunct faculty at a university. So I have a little income diversification to keep me safe. And I also work at Amazon in the morning just to keep Mm -hmm. a paycheck on the table because I, again, 2020 was horrible. It was really for a lot of people. So when you get into this career, you start becoming successful. Everything is going amazing. 10 years down the road and you're unhappy again. How often does that happen for people? Or can you really get into that 50-year career that our grandparents used to have? What an interesting, beautiful time that was. But I think, but the thing about the past is economics were different, landscape was different, and even corporate mindsets were different, where the consistency, the safety of what of that person staying in that job and these roles and staying on was much more what existed during those times. And that doesn't you know necessarily exist now. And I think now it's more of a moving and a changing, which actually I can say this is where we can actually champion that. Let that be the place that you can say it's never too late because we are in environments where there is actually even a celebration of seeing people change and do different things. I remember working with a client that basically was talking about how in one of her interviews, she was doing an industry change. I've been working with her and she said they actually loved it because they liked the fact that she had this diverse experience that necessarily wasn't the case. Years ago, they would ask why? What made you leave that particular company? Why aren't you still there? So I think our environments are changing. I say that so for our listeners can say you could be in your 50s and not to fear that you still can't jump into something else as well. I just think for most people, especially me, new change is hard, change is scary, change is uncomfortable. And I don't think there is a way to modify that or make it any different other than living in that space. How do you nurture that discomfort into a benefit, maybe that's the right word for it, versus a detriment? Well, so I would definitely validate what you're saying, that we have to lean into the discomfort, that things are messy and they may get messier. And it really is in the work is trying to work with people to see it as more of a growth opportunity and not as a limitation. Try to find the gems in the rubble and rewire thinking that it's a limitation. So take what's happening and say, okay, we understand that there's fear. Of course there's fear and change is always hard. But let's look at maybe some areas, even going back to childhood, where there might have been change and it worked out for you. And we start to unpack 
where change has been hard, but it's actually reached into something that ended up being a real positive, or whether they learned something from that change, or it took them from one point to another, and literally track how that happened so they can start to open up that space, but also at the same time, realizing that this is going to be scary. So lean into your support, the people that can mentor you, help you, work with you, hold you accountable, like lean into your village, and maybe even look at individuals that have done it and create those groups, like see if there's also a mentor, work with someone who's been through that kind of change or that space and say, I liked that business model, or I liked how someone did that. And with clients, what I do is let's follow them. Let's follow their trajectory. What did they do? And look at how maybe they had these pitfalls and they rose back up and how did they get to where they are and use that as your inspiration. So when looking at your perfect career, is it a good idea to find someone who has achieved it and request a curriculum vitae? That way you can see what steps they took over the year to get to that position? Or is this setting an unrealistic expectation and setting yourself up for failure? How do we find out what we need to do? And should we use our mentor's steps to do it? I would say nothing is really unreasonable. Take the bull by the horns. LinkedIn can be a real nourishing garden of relationships and connections and see who those individuals are. And you may be surprised that if you're just transparent, I'm really inspired by you. I've noticed I've been looking at your professional trajectory and I feel so impressed. This is an area I'd love to get into. Can we connect? And send that invitation to connect and build from there and not to be afraid to do that because you will get people accepting it and then you start from there. The other piece of this is also you could join particular organizations that are full of professionals doing all sorts of different things and join those organizations and start to network with those people. Then through that, you might find a few people that you'll say, I really like their trajectory and see how they did it. And then you could customize it to your own. When I work in this space, especially when we work more in a coaching environment versus the therapy environment, it's very action and goal oriented. Like I'm with them. Okay, who's in our pipeline? Each week, let's take that step. Let's move from the fear space and take an action step. All right, what was that like? What happened there? What'd you find out? Goals are so scary, needed but scary nonetheless, because they define what you're supposed to be doing and it can set yourself up for failure. And that is so hard for people. So here's the real question. The hardest question that I ask each guest on the podcast is what is something, whether they are happy in what they're doing or not, what is something a listener can do off of this discussion right now? to implement and better themselves in their daily life? I would say that just do it. Take the first step and whatever that is, it doesn't have to be a huge step. It might just be one phone call to someone who you've been thinking that you like what they're doing and find out what they do. 
It might even just mean realizing that you're ever evolving and you're never too old to make a transition. It could even be ordering that first book on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or what have you. That's sort of a book that says, want to change my career or change your narrative. I'd say just do one thing in that space and allow that to percolate. I think that's perfect. I love that recommendation. Take a small step, a non-scary, non-threatening step and see what happens. Exactly. And I really feel like based on my own personal journey, it's exactly what happened. It's exactly what it is. I mentioned it in session and it started from there. I read one book and it started from there. Well, Vita, I want to say thank you for coming on the Mac Performance Podcast and sharing this enlightening discussion that I think a lot of people, especially after 2020, have had to go through this whether they wanted to or not. And that career shift really can be an amazing, healthy experience and not a scary, traumatizing one. Yes, I'm with you on that. I needed to hear this. I needed to rehear this episode, and I'm sure there are countless listeners that are feeling the same way. For me, it hits close to home because I just opened my new location and moved my entire clinic into a space that is bigger and is going to require more work. And it's terrifying, but it lets me define myself on my own and better care for my people the way I want them cared for. So I'm hoping it's the best move possible, but it's so scary because my business next month has only been open for two years and it's terrifying, but this change is good. I'm going to say that right now. This change is good. And for those facing changes in their life, Find the good. You can do it. It is needed and it will work itself out. This week's Mac Performance Gratitude comes all the way from Australia. And this review gave us five stars entitled Such a Great Podcast. And the reviewer says, Melissa is a great host and shares so much health and movement info through her interviews. Love it. Thank you for giving us a review. They didn't leave their name, but the app that I use tells me it's from Australia, which is just incredibly cool. And if you want to hear your review read on the podcast, go ahead and head over to our Apple podcast link in the description below. Leave us five stars and you'll be hearing it real soon. Now, this episode of the Mac Performance Podcast was edited and produced by the magnificent Marissa McCool. And remember, this podcast has one goal in mind, and that is to get you better faster, keep you better longer, because no one has time to be sidelined. Be happy, be healthy, see you next week.